0: back together ira jersey take it away welcome to league one fun please subscribe rate and review us on your favorite podcast app we're sponsored by roughneck scars and icarus fc i'm ira jersey and that voice you heard is the long lost living the life in paradise jason at home sweet soccer jason welcome back from your post-quarantine bender maybe i don't know you were like yeah yeah, like on the beach for two weeks or something I don't know Pretty much.
1: I just was like away from uh people putting all their stress and hatred towards the world on Twitter. so it was great uh went to some hiking, did some beach going. there's nobody here on the island, so this is the, <laughs> the least amount of people that's been on the island in the past 50 years. Wow um, so it's there's like no yeah I went,
0: at all yeah
1: I went on a on a three mile hike and I ran into two people so. Yeah. it's it's perfect
0: well uh it's very special day for us because we're going to start off with another interview so two weeks ago which uh we did miss a week here uh for a variety of reasons but we're back uh we mentioned that there was the creation of the black players alliance uh for the usl and we have the richmond kickers representative to that organization ivan uh Magalays, uh who is the uh the Richmond Kickers rep to the BPA. So Ivan, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Oh, thank you guys. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: Ivan, be honest, on a scale of one to ten, what are you rating Ira's last name
2: pronunciation for you? Uh, I'll give him like a seven. Okay. That's See, that's you be better than, than the three. I would normally myself. So.
1: Ira books guests based off of how easy it is to pronounce their name, right? Yeah. Like we got Charlie Dennis. He, it's like, yeah, get a guy with two first names. Like it's it's, it's easy that way. So <laughs> yeah.
0: you're you're the exception. So yeah. this is, yeah. that's a good that's yeah. a good
1: job for for Ira.
0: So, so why don't we start with uh, with the BPA because I think that you know that's far more important and everything that the black players Alliance is going to be doing is more, way more important than what's going on on the field um, but you know we want to get to that too how did you know you get involved and, and what was the process like for as you um, uh, you, you know, as you were starting to hear about this, was it, did someone approach you? Did you you know, maybe approach some other players on some other teams and say, Hey, I want to get involved as uh, we form this. How, how did that all work?
2: Yeah. So uh, I was approached by uh, Hugh Roberts from uh, Charlotte and it was during like the, that time that right after the George Floyd uh, incident and, you know, the conversation was, we need to like unite us as players in a championship and a league one and form our own uh, group so we can uh, address those issues. So he approached me and asked me if I was interested to be the Kickers representative. And I was like, yes, for sure. And the, but this group is like, it's not like a, it's everybody's group. You know, we have uh, meetings via Zoom that we discuss the issues and and I involved all the other black players in, in, in the Kickers too. So we have a lot of guys that are active in the group, uh, such as uh, Devante. He he helps us a lot with a lot of the issues. Also, Mumbi. We we were in a, participating in the meetings to discuss uh, the the different ways that we could help and we could uh, address all those issues. So it's it's been good. It's been a positive uh, thing to have this group. But there's still a lot that we need to work on, and we've been talking to. Different groups as well to to improve the the message and get the message across. But so far, it's it's been a positive thing that happened.
1: And I know this is probably a loaded question, but when you guys are working on the issues and seeing you know, what you can do both, I'm assuming locally across the league and even, you know, across the U S in general, are these things to where you are keeping the league in mind and trying to form a partnership to see what they can support. So for instance, I know the league, um, you know, uh, a couple players went to them about having the black lives matter, armband and the league supported that and, and uh, supported it financially as well. So is that kind of the ideology of what you guys are having while you're thinking of these things.
2: Yeah. So uh, as I said, we, when we first started this, this group, we were still in discussions. We were talking about how we would like to proceed and you know, what would be, what was going to be our goal. And when we were in those conversations, the Jacob Blake incident happened and then it kind of like, in a way sped up a lot of the, the things that we needed to address. And also in a positive note, a lot of, other players from other teams that were not uh yet registered in a the group they started to like get involved so we had like long groups and meetings to uh see what we we're gonna do to protest during that week which was like a loaded heavy week after the jacob blake incident and uh we were always in communication with the league so uh the the executive members of the group uh Roberts and Brendan Miller, they were uh, in constant talks with the league. They were talking to the the players unions as well, just to uh, get things in uh, coordinated. So there was not like a, you know, different message coming across, like, you know, some players in one place when they do one thing, some players in the other place. So we tried to maximize the union of the group. But that, the conversation was always there. The, the league was always uh, willing to listen to us and help us. So that that's always been a good thing.
0: So talk a little bit about what has come out of all of those meetings besides some of the things that we see on the field. What are some things going on in the background where you guys are, are maybe advocating for things or um, – you know, reaching out to public officials, maybe to try and you know have different ideas to on how to end systemic racism. Like, what what are the the things that the BPA is actually working on that we might not see just watching on ESPN Plus?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, the, one of the first meetings, we we're still uh, getting the group together. You know, because the group is still trying to get organized and try to fill in all the the directory like positions, such as like social media and then people in the executive uh, board and then we we're just trying to like get the organization ready to to be prepared to things that are coming but with the the Jacob Blake incident that kind of made us you know try to speed things up and then one of the conversations was just like okay how are we going to proceed with the protests? how are we gonna you know, a fact change right now because something needs to be said right now at the moment. And that's kind of how we went in the first couple of weeks. And then after that was passed a little bit, we we got together with some different uh, associations. We actually had a good talk with uh Oguchi He came in one of the talks and uh Beasley and they say they, they're also doing things and they wanted to like hear from us what they
0: Beasley meaning DeMarcus Beasley who's going to be a USL League One owner potentially in the not too distant future
2: yeah exactly so uh he he had his own group too that they're doing uh, things to uh you know get more uh, black players black coaches into into the game just get more black faces into uh executive positions into you know general managers and, and coaches and maybe owners of clubs and And that was part of the conversation too. So after the the Jacob Blake incident, we started talking about like, okay, what can we do long-term that is gonna affect the game and and affect our lives in a positive way. So how can we get more financial education for the players? How can we get more coaching opportunities and things like that? So this is the the long-term goal for the group, which we still have a lot to talk about, but that was a good step for us to to get started. this this thing's only going to grow from now.
1: Yeah. And you talk about Gooch and DeMarcus Beasley. And so one of the things that I think needs to change is the representation of Black people in the soccer community from an executive level and from a coaching level. And from, is that something, a conversation that's going on, of ways that, we can get that you know like one of those things to where maybe we start demanding that the league helps with these players to go get their coaching license so that you know you can play in usl you can play in mls and then come back and coach and and have more representation um one of the things that i and i know it's different you you know were born and raised in brazil and so i don't know about the representation there um being black but for for soccer but over here I didn't play soccer until I was almost in college because there was no representation, no one to really push me into doing it. Right. I didn't see anybody that looked like me playing it and the people I did see that looked like me playing it weren't speaking English. Right. So they're not inviting me to play. And so, yeah, is, is that, is it one of those things to where when, you know, with this Alliance and with this group that you guys are kind of talking about things that can be done, you know, internally as well right so you know we have back-end demands for the players but for for blacks and, and u.s soccer in general
2: definitely definitely i mean like you said i wasn't born here in america i was born and raised in brazil only came here for college but uh, the situation in brazil it's is the same as it is here i mean i would compare the soccer situation in brazil as it is in the nba here so you have a lot of like representation with the players as black players, you know they're always uh, in big numbers in Brazil. But if you go to like the Division One in Brazil, you're gonna get maybe one coach and owners. You don't even can't even think of a black owner. But so we have like similar problems. But I feel like uh, here with the organization and you know with players engaging in. Uh, and these conversations and just being willing to see what we can do and organize to, to get those those things that, that is very important, you know, for us as, as back players and and part of the game, it's going to be what's going to change. So uh, the the, the, co- the talks are still, you know, in the early steps. We still like s- defining who's going to like take the leadership roles in the group, but those are definitely things that we're looking for in the future for, for the players that are going to come after us, they already have a structure that they can rely on. And and for the future, just, you know, be more prepared than we are.
0: So my last question uh, concerning BPA, when you look around the league and you know, you're doing, what you can at the moment and obviously some of the things that Jason just mentioned are really long-term things, right? Like getting you guys getting your coaching licenses, which means that, you know, maybe, you know, five, six years from now, you know, you're an assistant coach and then 10 years you're, you're another coach. What, what immediate things do you guys hope to do in the Richmond community right here? So, you know, we have a lot of listeners and, um, in the greater Richmond area, what are you guys working on right now as a team and, um, But you know both the black players and maybe your allies within the rest of the uh, community
2: Yeah, so uh, right now It's a little tough because we cannot really get out there into the community and and do you know appearances and uh, but the community here uh, the owner Rob Ucrop he provides us with some opportunities to go to schools and you know go out there and interact with the kids kids they're like you know less fortunate and sometimes they don't have like a good family structure we we we're provided that opportunity in normal times but right now since we have the 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 covid and we have protocols that we have to follow we can't really be out in the community interacting but um we were provided some options i'm not i don't have you here with me right now but we we have a a community leader here that gave us uh, a resource for first the players that were interested to take action to go out there in the community and and the way that we can right now you know just try to help with the the social distance protocols that we're supposed to follow so
1: yeah let's uh let's talk a little bit about that you know transitioning into to the season you know you were on both sides to where you're quarantined now you're on the road and I know Richmond's been on the road a good amount going into you know high cased areas like Georgia Florida um how do you feel right now is it one of those things to where I know like while you're in quarantine you're like man I wish I could be out of quarantine and now that you're out you're like maybe I need to go back in like how what is it like for the players right now uh with the traveling and playing during a pandemic
2: yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was crazy for everybody. And at the beginning, it was interesting to see, like, how different, like, states would, you know, react to the virus. So the first couple, games, we had our first two games on the road. And if you're traveling under 500 miles, we, we, we go on the bus and we have our protocols, we have to sit on our own seats and wear our masks and when you get but sometimes when you get to places the the state or the, the city local authorities you're not required to wear masks so sometimes you go in a hotel and people are not going to be wearing masks so it's it's interesting to see like different places you go you get different protocols but us as a team we think we've been doing a good job and you know our trainer also always is always calling us up and making sure that we are following the protocols, wearing our masks, sanitizing each player, got their own bottles of sanitizers. And we, we're just trying to keep all of those little details in place so we can have everyone healthy and eligible to play games and and maximize our chances of winning games.
0: So you just made the longest, well, actually you're the second longest trip in USO league one, uh, just this last weekend. And, um, you know, going out to Tucson, what was it like or was it significantly different than when you made that trip last year? I mean, was it like weird in the airports because there were less people or, you know, you know, d- describe that trip last year versus the, the same trip this year?
2: Yeah, well, so, yeah, that was our first actual uh, airplane trip and we we were issued like the mask, the K95, I, I don't know how to say k Ninety-five something masks. Yep. And we are. issued also some goggles. So we were traveling with those like glass. It's like a see-through goggles and the mask.
1: Like the nineteen-eighties uh, basketball players' goggles, yeah, like the exactly. uh, La- or Lajuan.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Something like that. And uh, I mean, I didn't notice a difference at the airports. We we had a layover in Dallas and i mean it was i always when i played in in texas i was always in the dallas airport and the the movement felt like it was just normal but of course everyone wearing masks but the planes they're mostly full just like a regular trip you you would take but the only difference is that everyone is you know in masks in 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 the planes too you have to wear your mask and it can it can get a little uncomfortable especially when you're going somewhere like really far like Tucson and it's like layover. So in total, you're probably like eight, nine hours without taking out your mask and also wearing goggles. And, but it, it is, it is, we have to do what, what's required of us to do. And it's the way that we can try to keep safe during this time. So,
1: so let's get into the season, you know, big difference between last year and this year. As a team, what do you think the biggest difference is from your point of view? Like, what, what do you think? Is it is it because of new roles? Is it because of new tactics? Is is there a different feeling going into this, a different energy, you know, com- compared to coming down from the USL Championship side to League One in its first season? What, what's been the biggest difference, you think?
2: Yeah. So, uh, for me, I mean, last year, it was very disappointed, of course, because, you know, the results – didn't go our way and I felt like once we clicked in the season last year it was too late so we had that feeling of like disappointment so for the returning players coming back this year which is my case we all felt like we had something to prove you know we were given one more chance with the club and we all were very grateful for it but it could not be the same thing as it was last year and you know with a new coach that also helped all of us not to be comfortable like we have to prove ourselves because he he doesn't know who we are you know we might have played against him but here on a daily basis like it's it's a new day so we had to prove ourselves and that with the the new players that were brought in they were all with the same mentality of like okay like we have to to turn this club around it's like this place have to be a, a winning play so we came with the with a winning mentality and and we set goals for ourselves and and i think that's what's been the the, mo- the biggest difference for this club we we just you know really focus on the results and you know the fans i'm speechless because they they're always there for us you know rough times always supporting us and we also felt like we owed to them to to turn the the team around so that's at least in my perspective what's been the, the biggest difference from last year.
0: So talk a little bit about tactically the the shape. So last year you had did a significant amount of passing, like you know possession was obviously the uh, one of the goals, and um, but but there was never a lot of threat really in the in the uh, the attacking third, right? This okay. year that's changed quite a lot. Is is uh, you know was part of that because of of shape you think because like you mentioned, given the middle of last year, I I mean, there's only two regular starters that are really significantly different. Now, granted, one of them is in the lead for the golden boot. So that obviously makes a big difference, (laughs) (laughs) but, but, uh, but, but, you know, Ian, Ian next to you, right. Ian Antley is one of the only other, um, you know, regular starters that's significantly different than the team last year. Um, But, but tactically I've noticed some differences, Uh, you know, what, what's, I don't want to say what specifically, but what have you noticed about the difference in starting shape and and kind of your your uh, uh, kind of your your tactical instructions compared to last year? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, I feel like uh, more than a tactical thing, it was more of a, a mentality thing that changed for us. Uh, the mentality is for us: we we need to be effective. We need to score. You know, the the important thing is to be aggressive, once we get a chance, we put away our chances. Uh, and I mean, last year, we tactically, we tried a lot of different things, you know, cause sometimes we, we try some things that weren't working and then we changed, we changed formations, we changed a lot of things. So, cause the results weren't coming, there was a lot of trial and error and trial and error until we find something that kind of worked, but it was late at that point this year. You know, Darren came, and he has his philosophy, has his ideas, and he made, you know, all of us buy into it. And more than the tactical aspect of it is is the mentality that he passes on to us to just, you know, be aggressive and, and just be lethal when we go forward and, and, and try and score goals, you know?
1: Yeah, one thing I've noticed is for the defense – I think you guys have had a a little more – I mean, lately you haven't had it, but you were a lot more involved earlier in the season getting up, right, and then being able to support. So the difference, what I see from last year and this year, is where you guys are winning balls, right? So last year it was building out from the back, pretty much from your own goalkeeper, and then having a high press coming at you and immediately then getting under pressure. Whereas now you're winning the ball at midfield. You don't have to worry about that. Now it's more so of, do we have a counter or do we send it back in game possession, slow it down? Do you think that plays a role into where de- have you guys, do you think even defensively been pushing more and kind of be trying to be more involved in the midfield?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, th- those, those things they, you know, you can see from, from the outside, uh, But, again, as I said, I think it all goes back to the mentality. If you have a mentality that if you lose the ball, you're going to win it right back. You know, you you don't allow to lose challenges. You don't allow to, you know, lose your duels. So that that mentality by itself just makes you win the ball higher up the field. And once we get the ball, then uh, the idea is to go to goal. You know, we – I think that's the difference from last year. I don't think we had this bite that we had this year, last year. And even if we did have the bite, sometimes when we won the ball, we would first think about like, okay, we won the ball, we should keep possession. No, this year we want to win the ball, we want to go to goal. That's, that's the big difference that I see. So that, you know, helps us to go and, and be aggressive and, and, and get results.
0: Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, kind of the rotation. So one of the things that, um, I had talked to coach Swatsky about a couple of weeks ago was, you know, basically, you know, you have three starting caliber center backs and, you know, part of, part of the issue he he mentioned was availability, right. Because of injuries, because of suspensions, you know, things like that. Um, you know, how, how is it? Competing for that spot on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, and uh, and how much are you being pushed by the other uh, the other players? Really fighting for that spot. Yeah, I mean,
2: it was actually originally four because you had Connor here too. Right. And well,
0: I, I never liked Connor as a center back personally. I always saw him more as number six. But that's
1: wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Coaching, coaching tactics with Ira today. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, as you mentioned, Connor is he's got a lot of quality on the ball that he can play as a six. So, you know, I feel like we, the, the three of us now on the team, there are different uh, qualities that all of us have, but all of us have, you know, championship experience and it's, it, the competition amongst among us makes us be better, you know, cause you know that you can't, if you have a bad day, if you play a bad match, then you have someone else that can play just as good or better than you. So just that pressure alone keeps you on your toes. And it's, I mean, it's for me, I see this as a very positive thing because who doesn't want to be playing at at the best the whole times, you know, that's the pressure that every soccer player has to have. And we are fortunate that we have this here at Richmond. So we, we haven't had a, a big rotation like because it's uh everyone's been healthy and we were getting results but it, it is like like i said i think it's uh it's a it's a thing of like you know someone that it's in the same position as you is just as good or better than you so you have to play your best every single time
1: so I wanted to ask, you know, before, before we get you out of here, we don't want to keep you all night. Um, you know, you're talking about this bite and this new attitude this year. And so last week when you come, you know, when you go up and then you suffer a loss, you give up those points. What's the locker room like now to, to get you kind of back into it, uh, you know, for your, for your game this weekend. And is it a difference between what it was last year?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was definitely devastating to lose the way we did. But, I mean, it's it's a learning moment, you know. It's We have a very, very short season this year. And we have to learn from our mistakes. We, we lost that game because we were not 100% concentrated and focused throughout the whole game. And we had to pay for it. So, I, I believe our, the team learned the lesson and now we – you know, we don't have much room for mistakes because we halfway through the season, we have eight games more and mistakes like that, they cannot happen again. So I think that message was sent to, to the whole team. And I think everyone is, is aware of the, you know, the high stakes that, that this season is and that we cannot you know, fall asleep—not even for a second—that that can cost us, you know, a, a chance to to fight for the championship. So, I think that's uh, that's the lesson that we got from this last game.
0: Well, with that, Ivan, thank you very much for coming on League One Fun, talking about the uh, Black Players Alliance as well as uh, the Richmond Kickers. You know, big turnaround season. I mean, you guys were you know near the bottom of the table, and now you're fighting for a spot in the championship. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the chance to be here.
1: Hey, i real quick before you go, though. Kyle Venter last year, I think, had the most center backs goals of yeah. in the league or it right. was tied with Patrick Bunk Anderson. You already a goal of the month nomination. Uh, I need you right here to solidify and tell me right now you're going to score more goals this season than Kyle Venter. You're going <laughs> to take the crown from
2: him. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I hope so. You know, <laughs> it's always, always fun. <laughs> need, more, need more set pieces for you guys. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks very Ivan. much again, Ivan. Thank you, guys. So, Jason, um, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been here, but, you know, pretty big news recently, like within the last 48 hours as we're yeah. recording that we need to talk about. I'm, so, I'm
1: glad it, it waited for me. That's,
0: yeah. That's so, so first, let's talk about what might be, be the, I don't know if it's the biggest news, but it's the most surprising news, at least to me, and that's that um, Phoenix Rising is, well, I should say FC Tucson is breaking up with Phoenix Rising. You know, it's like, and and did it they do it with emojis? Like I'm trying to figure out. Like, I, yeah, well, like how they broke the, up. the funny part about this was,
1: and maybe I um, maybe I didn't read this correctly. So correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like they had stopped the player development partnership at the beginning of the year. And now they're breaking off everything, right? So it was right. like you, like they, you get the you had visitation right with the kids, and now it's like I don't want to see them little kids at all anymore. Yeah, that, that's so, all you. so
0: it was very unclear when that happened because I certainly didn't see the news, and it wasn't not you know no. no one sent out a splash. We never got a you know notification from. Um, you know, from any of the, the the press folks, at least at FC on the FC Tucson side. So, you know, it was hinted at when when we spoke when I spoke with uh, Coach Sawatsky that that wasn't the case this year that he they weren't getting all the players down that the roster was being set by the by the coaches. Um, but it wasn't obvious that 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 relationship had ended. But now it looks like you know Phoenix Rising Stake in FC Tucson is going to be no more. They're looking to restructure how the ownership of the organization is working, and FC Tucson will be an independent. And league One team in Toto, I guess is how we can say. It.
1: Well, can I can I put my put my tinfoil hat on and kind of and kind of maybe this is more hopeful thinking? But as some people know, the MLS is bringing back their reserve league, right? So MLS said that they're going to have a reserve league for their academy. So for instance, Minnesota United, they're opting into doing that as opposed to having affiliates in League One. What if this is a nice little setup for USL to try to kind of break apart from that and, you know, try to have a league that has, you know, majority independent teams. Of course, you have a couple of two teams that are already in here and are, you know, kind of foundation of USL championship and in League One. But if they kind of branch off and do their own, you know, independent branding like North Texas has done and everything. Then you know maybe this is this is a start of a huge win for for USL and it could be a league to where now we're not dependent on sending players up and down and uh, you know people that play North Texas can get a breather right there they don't have to be afraid that a
0: Tanner or a Ricardo is
1: <laughs> coming down anymore. And, well, I guess
0: I guess in that so what that would create probably in, in my view would probably be a proper loan system. Right. Where an MLS team, instead of it being, you know, you train with your MLS team and then you go play at the affiliate for for the weekend, like, you know, Coach Swatsky mentioned happened a lot last year. Um, instead of that, it would be, hey, you're going to get loaned for two months or you're going to get loaned for some period of time. And there's a penalty if you're with call with, with if you're. Um, uh, if, if you're bad. recalled, yeah. yeah. So, like, like what would have happened with Forward Madison last year, for example? They had a couple of players from Minnesota United, um, and this year they have that same deal with uh, or similar deal with the Chicago Fire, and you know, so that could be an interesting. I think that makes a lot more sense because then you have more consistency of roster, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's an important thing. And yeah, there's oh, just maybe it there,
1: will. Yeah, there's just little things USL does here and there, and that I feel like is taking steps
0: towards
1: that kind of breaking off from from the MLS combination thing and doing their own thing and you look at it from academy contracts pro contracts like i, I just feel i feel like we're we're starting to see the the light at the end of the tunnel for for independent league
0: um, yeah, and it's interesting because this would be the time of year that you might expect to hear about more two teams coming online next year, right? And we haven't heard that, although we have several new two teams, obviously, this year right. in New England Revolution and uh, um, and Fort Lauderdale. But, yeah, so, that, I mean, it's it's a, it'll be fa- interesting and fascinating um, to watch how this develops over time and if this is the beginning of a, a larger trend.
1: Um, so, sorry, yeah. quick question. Do you think there's a possibility they would do – reserve academy, then league one team, then MLS team. So they would have a reserve team within that league and then for you know those are the 16 15 year olds and then the ones who are you know better they can go to league one and then go to mls team well you, think you that's
0: have, also a possibility well you have mls next which is the which is the academy right which right. is which is the new mls academy so there's 88 independent academies and then all of the academies within major league soccer so there's still like 120 teams there and then obviously usl is starting their own academy league as well which is only open to the u.s academy team usl teams at the moment don't know if they'll branch that out and 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 maybe open it up to more like like MLS did but at the moment that's not the case so I I suspect that they'll that they won't be a reserve if there is a reserve league I think that it'll it'll probably be to the detriment of the two teams Um, because you'll have the academy up to U19 then you have a reserve team maybe effectively a U23 team you know similar to what they have in Europe uh, in some places in Europe and then the first team, so academies
1: go to 19. That's some old ass. Was a red shirt? Well,
0: well, <laughs> well, it's you uni- yeah, it's you 19. So it's, it's people who turn 19 that year, right. like I turned 19 when I graduated high school. So oh, I, okay. I would have, you know, so think about that, but then, um, yeah, you know, then you age out at the end of that year. Gotcha. Um, so let's uh, so let's talk about a coaching change. So I guess partially you know, partially a surprise, but not completely surprising, I guess, given their performance. But, but, uh, South Georgia Tormenta has, uh, they didn't quite part ways with their coach. They gave her promotion, uh, to, <laughs> um, to, to, their coach and Ian Cameron, who, um, had coached, uh, uh Tormenta two last year is the new head coach. Um, you know, thoughts on this Jason.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think you know, John coach John Melracy said last week was a must-win for Tormenta and they didn't get that win. So I'm thinking this is why they're making the move at the time they're doing now. It's like, hey, let's get the switch over into this season so that the new coach can get a couple games with the players, see the tactics, and then kind of make decisions in the offseason based off of how that goes. Um, you know, but he's he's the assistant coach, right? So it's one of those things where he knows the players he knows the system so i don't think we're going to see that much of a change i think it's uh it it'll be interesting going into next year with john as a technical director seeing what that does you know you know tormenta does a great job with their academy and expanding and they want to expand they want to get more players they want to find more talent i think they want to directly get every good player out of Mercer college directly onto the team without any kind of interruptions or debate. It seems so, that way, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, that's their pipeline dream, but uh, I think next year we'll start seeing a lot of the changes if we are going to see some changes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the off season will be pretty telling who they bring back, who they resign and, and uh, who they um, obviously try to try release and, and try to, um uh, you know, start afresh, because I, I do think that, you know, it's still Tormenta still has this problem, not not so much necessarily with the talent of the individual players, but their, they, their lineup is different all the time. Um And, you know, this year, like when I interviewed Darren Van Tassel a couple weeks ago, you know, he mentioned like, look, last week was the first week that, that we actually had a full 18-player roster right on game day and you know and and when you don't have that um that kind of consistency and health it is hard to coach a team right when you're talking about a different lineup every uh every week and playing people out of position you know like you know some craziness like putting a guy who usually plays striker or white right wing as a right back you know that's not something that you know worked out for them a couple of times but that's not typical right all right, and uh, I just want to mention this in case you missed it because we haven't talked about it yet, but we will soon. Uh, Toro Rodriguez is reunited with his long-lost brother at North Texas FC, so look out yeah. the rest of USA. No,
1: it was like – I don't know if you watch wrestling growing up, but, you know, the, the bells
0: of The Undertaker, as his,
1: that's what I heard. And I was like, uh-oh,
0: something's happening. Right. Little ACDC, Hell's Bells in the background. Yeah. All right, so, so since we missed last week um, – and this is following the Chattanooga Red Wolves win over Union Omaha. Let's—I uh, just want to review very quickly where we stand as we record tonight um, on Wednesday night. Greenville triumph clearly in front. Points per game: two point two points per game, so way, way above everyone else. Uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves, same number of games as Greenville, also at one point eight points per game. So you know a little bit behind, but right on their heels are two other teams. Union Omaha and Richmond Kickers, who are less than a draw away on point uh, f- from them on points per game. So, if either of those two games were, uh, teams were to play, um, they one of their games in hand and only draw, they would be in second place. Um, you know, outside shot here with you know two more teams uh, forward Madison and Fort Lauderdale still hovering. Like if they go on a run and they get some help, maybe Ford has five of their last
1: eight games at home and. Yeah.
0: They don't lose at home. So,
1: I mean, it's going to be a race. It's like this is every game. That's why I said I think Tormenta, you know, John, Coach John Miller-Racy knew that that was do or die, and I think he was like, all right, it's time. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams do that, right? I think if North Texas doesn't go on a run, if Fort Lauderdale isn't going to run, they're going to start dropping off, and then you're going to get to the end where it's probably going to be Chat Richmond and uh, Omaha all fighting for that second spot unless Greenville
0: decides to – Make
1: it interesting, and uh, <laughs> they, they drop some points.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, so you know they obviously dropped. Uh, Greenville dropped two matches, but then, um, uh, uh, but then came back roaring. Um, yeah. And for Lauderdale, of course, Ricky Espin Lopez is good for a goal a game. It seems yeah. so. You know, it's very, very possible. They're getting, they're
1: getting more players now from Inter Miami, right? Now that the season and MLS is in full swing, and you know, you're seeing who they're going to be playing. They're not. They're they're sending. You know, they sent Jerome Kisweter down, and uh, who knows what's going to happen now? You know, like it's it's one of those things to where they already had a scary midfield, and we'll get into the game uh, a little bit later. But uh, they, they're even scarier now, so you know, look out for uh, for Fort Lauderdale to
0: to make a run. Yeah, so uh, so Jason, what do you think about reviewing uh, Week Nine games, or at least yeah. a few of them? We're going to go some of them really quick and yeah. uh, dig dig deep into three or four of them. Um, so, firstly, Chattanooga uh, went on the road and uh, last Wednesday night and beat New England uh, uh, two to one uh, goals early on in the tenth minute by Jason Ramos for Jason, Chattanooga Sports Center Ramos. Yeah, oh, uh, sports. Yeah, that's right. So so this was a fun goal 39 yards out we knew banger that because the only of the head league <laughs> there it goes yeah one out of every three goals has to be a banger um so this was a free kick taken on the left hand side uh it, it was just played short to Ramos and Ramos decides to you know basically dribble the ball 5 yards up to about the 39 yard line takes a shot upper 90 mm-hmm. yeah, why like, not Postage stamp shot. I mean, it was crazy. And, and, and he it, did make what number five on the Sports Center, I think it was yeah. something six, something like six, that. But yeah,
1: five or six mid. Yeah. And that was the shot that he had to make because Joe Rice on fire. I don't, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand why they were rotating goalkeepers because when Rice as a goalkeeper is in there, he uh he's been killing it every time. So yeah. like if you actually look at their record and see where they got points, it's usually when Rice was in the back and when they dropped points. It was because they rotated him. So.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, so you know Joe Rice, you mentioned that eight saves in this game. So it could have been much worse. Uh, you know former former Lionsbridge, uh, FC in USL League Two and former Richmond kicker uh, briefly only played a couple of games behind the Fitzgerald. So you know good move for him. I, I think for Joe, you know he's showing that. He has, you know, good potential, and maybe, you know, maybe he'll get a shot in at, at MLS one day. Being on a, on a team like this, you know, um, you know, so good, good on him for for showing his stuff. Um, unfortunately, so Orlando Sinclair tied it up in the 45th, and in the 83rd, uh, there was a pretty unfortunate, uh, own goal, um, by, by new England. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's one of these things, you get the ball in the six yard box and you know, good things can happen. Right. And, and Chattanooga was able to get the ball like very close to the goal and someone heads it back and it happens to hit off the back of a defender instead of the front and it goes into the net. Um, so anything else on uh, this match, Jason? And though Chattanooga
1: keeps finding ways to, to win games late. They, yeah. uh, and, and it's that's the that's what you need, especially as an away game. I think the midweek game, like you, you need to the difference between one and two points, or you know, one and three points. I should say is, is everything for this second place race. So, props to them for, like you said, putting that pressure on to at least getting them, you know, to to get to the good things that happen in the
0: box. Yeah. So both of their week nine games were came with very late winners, so eighty third yeah. minute, and as we'll get to ninetieth uh, minute. Uh, then on Friday we had South Georgia Tormenta, drew Union Omaha. Union Omaha up to this point and after this game were still undefeated with uh, four wins and four draws. Uh, South Georgia went up uh, two goals to nil in the first half in the 11th minute and 22nd minute. Uh, uh, Luca, uh, Luca Maya fa- uh, flatten um, Falton. I don't know why. I I don't know why I. I Pronounce it wrong when it's written right in front of me. It's late. That's why. Um, And then New Who had an unfortunate own goal uh, as well um, in the 22nd. But then the shortest man on the pitch, I think, scores a header inside the box. Elma N4 gets one back in the 70th minute. Um, How do you leave? You know, do you just miss Elma? Like, I don't understand. I mean, he's, I know he's quick and he's he, definitely good on the ball, he, right? But you don't think the about it all the time. You
1: just, they're, they're, you know, you don't see them. You forget they're there. People
0: <laughs> forget their kids all the time, man. Things happen. He did move for this header, though. He did do a lot of good movement off the ball to find that space, right? right. So just that he, you know, like just, he got lost in the, in, in the mix. And then right. the 81st, uh, 81st minute, uh, uh, Faraday Sousa gets the uh, uh gets the, the drawing out. goal, yeah. So, another again, bangers, right? Oh, bangers oh. <laughs> So, but you um, about second, oh, half. Omaha, Omaha probably should have won this game. I think, I think Omaha, I, I think, had you know, in general, had the better chances, right? Yep. um, yep. and you know, they they it was an opportunity missed, I think, for them, especially given how much South Georgia's is struggling. Well, they they turn it on so late. So I mean, they're they're the
1: second half team of this league. Like eight of their eleven goals this season have all come from the second half, and they've only given up three second half goals. But so only the, when the
0: kickoff is one p.m. or later.
1: Right. But the issue so, <laughs> so the issue though is is if a team goes up on Omaha early, it's going to be hard for them to win the game because they're not scoring goals until the second half. So
0: right. Yeah, I, and you know, as we'll discuss it, that was, was one of their problems today. Um, but so, close personal friend
1: of the pod, Evan Conway had a had a great game. Uh, most dribbles, yeah.
0: twelve duels won,
1: forty-seven touches, and wasn't dispossessed at all. Wow. So uh, he he so, stood out.
0: Yeah, in Central New Jersey's own, uh, we should mention Ethan um, Ethan Vandecore Decker actually uh, was the August Player of the Month in USL League One. So, I had a um, that's fine. Oh, got got a rep, you know. I'm, <laughs> so, what what do you think I was doing before I was here? I was, you know, I, I'm at work. I do soccer, and then I do different soccer, right? So, oh, does uh, it, it does seem that way these days. Um, <laughs> thank goodness for Star Trek Lower Decks is tomorrow, so I can laugh for 20 minutes. Uh, let's see. Saturday, uh, then Saturday. The first game was uh, because, of course. There's no lights, so therefore, so
1: sad. It was just like adulthood is like. Uh, thank God, I can listen to a <laughs> podcast for 20 minutes. Left. <laughs> My God, uh, I hope if you're if you're a college student and you listen to this, please, please don't don't get discouraged. There's there's some other parts that are good about adulthood, like alcoholism and <laughs> like, like.
0: Don't listen to Ira. There's other things. I promise. <laughs> it's been a very very long week, um, so. In, in the 13th minute, um, Terzaghi, of course, scores because he's, you know, the golden boot leader. And um, I'm not going to say that he's going to win the golden boot, but, like, if I had to make a very specific prediction, I would say that that he will um, either have the golden boot or be trodden for the golden boot at the end of the year. Okay. Um, and I could see him, like, one of these weird things where he winds up, you know, having the same number of goals as someone else, and then, like, he loses on assists as the tiebreaker or something like that. So I can I – can, See that potentially happening, and, and Matt Bulldog, how long Greg Hurst is out for? Yeah, that's important. Um, that's something we should have mentioned actually, um, because Hurst was uh, was in the lead, and then Trezagi's gotten a couple while he's been injured. So, um, but but Hurst, I think, is only one or is he two behind now? I think but he's two behind now. two behind now. Yeah, so he's you know pretty close, but not not so much. And then there's a couple of other uh, you know shouts. I mean, Omaha probably won't get one because they they basically score by committee. Um, yeah. I mean, like, Ricky. Right. Yeah. Ricky Ricky Espin Lopez certainly has a has a good look. Like like we said before, he's good for a goal a game. Um. Uh. So then, but then in the uh, 54th minute, the tying goal comes from Tanner Dietrich. Well, Um, I'm sorry,
1: but I want to talk about that
0: first goal. Okay.
1: Um. Because I think it was a big that first 20 minutes of the game. For whatever reason, Baldock just had the whole entire side like the whole entire entire left side yeah Yeah. there there was no and so the big change I think in the game came after that and so and he had 10 successful passes in the first 25 minutes alone Bulldog right then after that you saw Connor Doyle and you saw Ruiz not get up so high and kind of cover ground right after that guess how many passes he had for the rest of the game, period. So I'm not talking successful passes. I'm talking about for the rest of the
0: game. So attempts. Um, yes. I'm going to say 15. Two. Really? I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew he was quiet and and got more quiet, but I didn't realize it was so low. Or, you know, I did my stats wrong, which is definitely a possibility. But yes,
1: so <laughs> the, the point is... I, you I, can go I, on the league, you know. You can go on the League One I, website I and look that.
0: at their truck board that. and actually oh, match it out. Me. It's actually really cool, by the way. If you haven't done that and you're ever interested in in proving us wrong or seeing like how we look at these things, sometimes just go on the League One website and look at the yes, the please, off the data, and it shows where all the passes go. Do
1: that, please. But oh,
0: it's, yeah, it's no. it's fun and nerdy. Come on, let's let's soccer nerd here, Jason. But that was
1: that was the adjustment, and I think that dictated the game. And after that, it was like Richmond. You know, they play, they were Jekyll and Hyde, right? The first 20 minutes, they were the one that was pressuring up tempo. And then they made the right adjustments. And after that, they didn't really have any much, much more offense going.
0: Yeah. They only had, they only had after the, that first uh, 20 minutes or so, they only had two more shots on goal. Um, so, uh, excuse me, two, two more shots. They only had, and in fact, the, the goal was their only shot on goal. Um, so, you know, that's, that tells you that, you know, Chattanooga, I think one of the big differences between this year and last year is, you know, last year they were always good defensively, but, and it was always, you know, who, who was going to score if not, if BD couldn't make some magic happen. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this year they have figured out, you know, different ways to score and, you know, let's face it, Mark Hernandez Um, is the guy so he comes in um in the second half he's barely on the field I I don't even know if he had touched the ball more than one time before uh he gets his first touch yeah so it was on his very first touch he came in in the 53rd minute in the 54th minute he gets an assist and um so so Hernandez uh you know gets the ball to Tanner Dietrich and Dietrich scores and you know Uh, I mean, Mark Hernandez, is he the best like mid mid year signing? I mean,
1: magic number 37, he played 37 minutes in this game and then 37 minutes in against Omaha in those 37 minutes, he has created six chances and three assists. Yeah. What else can you ask for, for somebody coming off the bench late to, to win a game?
0: So, so I have a question. I I put this in, in the show notes here, Uh, you know, I, I didn't – Akwe never came on the field, and I, I'm wondering, like, it looked to me like in the second half, Richmond was kind of hoping just to kind of hold on. And given how potent uh, Chattanooga's defense is, I feel like when Mark Hernandez came on, they Richmond needed to make an adjustment and either man Mark Hernandez or do something to shut him down. And, like, putting on a guy like Akwe who could, you know, basically just chase him around and maybe get rid of the attacking threats might have been – the the thing to do and and it never happened. So the last thing
1: I said before my break was that my fear for Richmond was that they did not have the debt and it is starting, I think to show they look dead tired in that second half. And when I, and I posted uh, a question on our poll on our uh, Twitter account of who has the deepest debt uh, in the league, Uh, the winner was Greenville and then Chattanooga was second. And so I can agree with that, but I think right now, Chattanooga has the better offensive depth. They just have so yeah. many different players that can come in, and, and I mean when you look at their wins, Stephen Beatty coming in late to win the game. Marky's the one who sets it up, like, and then you still, and these are put these are games without Greg Hurst. So it's just right. like, there's yeah. so when, much when
0: Greg when Greg Hurst is back, I think it, you know, Chattanooga is going to be tough on on the defense. I, I mean, I think you did see in this game early, at least some of the, the potential vulnerabilities in in the back line, which you didn't have last year, but you know, while starting to play better, like he, he didn't not have a good first couple of games of the season, but the last two or three games, he's been really good. And we talk about him a little later too.
1: Tired. And I'm, I'm wondering you, they've got three games uh, between Saturday and next Saturday. So if there's going to be some rotation, it needs to be now, and it's a perfect timing for them because this Saturday they've got Orlando at home. So not going to tell Coach Thanos what to do. (laughs) uh, If he wants to collect another stone, he should probably rotate somebody
0: this weekend. So Richmond had no corners in this game. It just shows you how you know how feeble their offense was I, early uh, on.
1: The high scoring center back in the league last year, and not give them a chance to, to <laughs> score on the corner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and the guy who wants to unseat him, as we just heard. Right. Um, okay. Then the next game was uh, was Fort Lauderdale versus Orlando, and Orlando keeps doing Orlando things and lets Fort Lauderdale score twice. Um, Edison uh, as Kona, as well as. He kind well, uh, of killed it yeah i didn't i have to admit i did not see this match so i, okay, can't, so, I can't say but but uh, so talk to him but what did he do that was that was so special besides so scored this goal in the fifth the minute
1: first goal beautiful curler and hit him with the fake shot to get the defender to commit the tackle so then once the defender's on the ground he's like okay now i can dribble take two more steps and have an open shot so it was a it was a beautiful you know he create anytime someone creates their own shot and they can curl it into the upper 90. It's definitely worth praise. And then the second one intercepts the ball probably about 10 yards or so past midfield in his own half, 40 yards sprints it and in a through ball to Ricky Espin. Beautiful. I mean, that's exactly like in the, in the, in the form of different players that you have, especially when you're left back, right back overlapping is important and being able to not just defend and intercept, but then to have a final product it is just as important. And the through ball to Ricky was perfect. Ricky just went around the keeper, which I think Ricky's gone around the keeper at least three or four times this year. Like I, I swear. Yeah. I can't. He's definitely, he's definitely done it one or
0: two other yeah. times. this. So, yeah.
1: but yeah. And that was the dagger right there. Orlando looked good in the first, they looked decent in the first 20 minutes and then the last 20 minutes, but by the last 20 minutes, they're down two zero, right. And so that's 60 minutes in between. They went without a shot on target and just one chance created. Mm. So that's the summary of the game, right yeah. there. I
0: mean, Orlando is still not good, and no. so but and, but
1: also, I mean, that Fort Lauderdale midfield they they tried to stop Sosa. They fouled him seven times, but then Carrasco really stepped up. Servando Carrasco completed sixty six passes and was the most, which was the most of any player, and then was the most accurate passer of any player out there with 92% completion rate, including three for three in his long balls. So it's, yeah, it's not just, you know, centering on Sosa when you've got Blaine, you've got, um, Carrasco, it's it's going to be tough. I think Fort Lauderdale has the opportunity to go on a run.
0: Yeah, Fort Fort Lauderdale looks good, right? Like we we've always said, like their offense is good. They just need to put things together in terms of not conceding a a ton. And and you know, I think at home they're definitely good, right? At home they're definitely a little bit better than on the road. So I don't know if maybe the road trips are. you know, not great for them either scheduling wise or just it gets them tired, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I like them. They, they play pretty football, you know, and yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that because, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a two Stan or anything like that.
1: <laughs> I think they're the perfect Toronto replacement.
0: Yeah. And in a lot of ways. Yeah. They're, they're very fun. Like Toronto was last year. Like, um, I would love to say appointment television, but unfortunately I have too much to do. I
1: mean, who was who was uh, competing in the Golden Boot yeah, race? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jordan I mean, it's, Yeah, It's pretty much the offense. The games are always two, three, three, two. Like,
0: Yeah, they're so fun. Yeah, except they you got watch lights. watch soccer to watch <laughs> <They've got> like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The field in the league, so. <laughs> yeah, great great stadium, no fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so then the, the next game, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about this, uh, is – FC Tucson hosted North Texas. North Texas scored two. uh, FC Tucson scored zero. Uh, Arturo Rodriguez was back. He played in this game. Um, And, uh, you know, North Texas definitely looked better, but still not like last season at all. And I think Tucson had more
1: chances created, had more passes, had the better passing accuracy. So it definitely wasn't
0: a North Texas so they had Wild. almost exactly the same number of passes, um, you know, three hundred and thirty. But you know, this is again like North Texas. The way that they typically beat teams is death by like six hundred passes, and you know, n- not even close to that. Very v- more direct. Um, but you know, we should we should we need to talk about the first goal though. Um, actually, we need to talk about the first almost the first goal, almost goal because H-R. yeah, because we because we talked we talked a couple of weeks ago about. Just how fast Shaq Adams is. You know, like FC Tucson, you know, they love their Pacey Wingers, right? Last year you had Devin Jamga, who, you know, was one of the faster guys in the league. Now on now in South Georgia Tormenta. Shaq Adams is fast. I tried to tell y'all in preseason that boy
1: was fast. I <laughs> yeah. told you he was good. I was you- shocked to see him come down to USL League One. And and granted, you know, I I thought with Tucson there was a possibility of a partnership to be going to Phoenix, but apparently they, yeah, they we were
0: we were wrong. Like we were assuming. you know, it's funny is that you mentioned like early in the season. Just going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, you mentioned earlier in the season like what's going to happen with all these forwards and strikers and stuff that Tucson has because Phoenix has more than they need that's too. A, so how many are going to come did. down? And we haven't seen any, right? And that that explains why. That explains I mean, a lot I of what's going that's on. Why at Jordan Tucson. Jones probably isn't back. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He Thought he, he, thought he had uh, some greener
1: grass on the other side, and maybe he does, but. Yeah. Um but yeah that first first attempt the through yeah. ball I think was was it our boy Charlie who who sent it through? I think it
0: was. Yeah. yeah and then Shaq Adams beats the whole team he winds up just beating Avalez who was like 30 yards off his line and uh then shapes the hit, hit the ball right. with his right foot instead of just hitting a pass with the if inside of his left. If
1: somebody but, has a left foot that they're not using, if you can just go ahead and and send that over to Shaq he would be absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, because this game this game is much much different if it's 1-0 to Tucson early, right? You like- know how you know how different
1: it is because North Texas cannot come back and win games. They have not they've they've scored first I think in 5 of their 8 games or something crazy like that and the only two games that they've lost this year were games that they had to chase. So right. That's the difference if they're chasing or if they get that lead and they kind of can feel more comfortable, pass the ball around and try to play that possessive, possessive of,
0: style. Of course, it could be that at halftime someone, you know, slipped a referee some money or something like that because in the 61st minute mm. Um, mm. a PK was called. And look, I am a referee. I, I, was I, was say, I say, typically, I I typically don't play. criticize referees. However, now granted, the referee had a better angle and I will say that but from the, the one angle we have it did not look like a, a, a pk to me cuz at worst it hit off the player's arm and the arm was at the at his side yeah. and you watched him try to take his arm
1: away and put it down on the side
0: yeah and it was it didn't anyway i'm not i'm not convinced it was a, was a pk but you know again Referee was there. The referee was like 15 yards away yeah. with no one in between them. So, and our camera really view by uh, Damas's head, so we yeah. couldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, one camera angle was, yeah, right. actually, one camera angle couldn't even follow the ball um but you know criticize it,
1: them all the refs the camera crew get get them get them all get
0: them all yeah uh well what i can't criticize is Damus's finish because that hesitation he so Damus makes a run up to take the penalty kick for the uh for the handball in the box and he does this little stutter step and you know commits the keeper and just uh passes the ball the other way and uh um and scores to to tie it up um and then how about colin smith i mean Colin, game. Yeah, Colin Smith had a great game for North Texas. Um, you know, I can't say he looked anything like um, Ronaldo Damas or Ricardo Pepe did last year, but uh, definitely a great game and and scores the winner in the 69th minute. You know, so so what do you think? You know, Smith brings to this North Texas team that they haven't had um, in in the past.
1: Yeah. So and also he he also almost scored another one. I think he hit it off the post in like the 70th minute or something like that. But um, I think. What he brings is now you don't have so Damus is good at finishing, right? Damus can get the ball finished and he's also a pretty good creator, but you can have a whole defense kind of chime in on him. And there wasn't that one player who can spread the ball, bring in a defense, and allow them to not collapse on Damus. So now when you have Arturo back, now when you have Redzik out there, you know, beating everybody down the side. You're, you're able to then have Colin Smith make these great off-ball runs and find this space and even when he wasn't shooting, he was supplying a lot of chances yep. too. Now you have a three-man system to where it's either Arturo, Redzik, or Colin, and they're all going and creating these chances in space. And now Damus is available to run around, and defenses are are kind of conflicted on who do I go to? Am I going towards Damus, or do I step up to try to stop the chance creators?
0: Yeah. So the question I think going forward is, you know, this was an interesting test for Tucson for for North Texas against Tucson, but I think against a better team um north texas still has a lot of holes in it because you know you you look at you look at even in this game tucson had more chances than north texas did so nine chances to seven they probably could have scored a couple of goals right Shaq adams clearly had a wide open net right and should have scored that by by you know um i mean i don't know what the expected goals on that is it's probably like 0.85 or something but it's not one but it's it's very very high and open net from 22 yards out or so um so, but I still question North Texas's defense. So, if they can't have, you know, 55, 60% of the ball and get those five or 600 passes to, you know, just totally not give the other team any chance of scoring because they yeah. don't have the ball, I'm not sure that they can do it against a team like a Greenville, like a, like a Chattanooga, not like a Richmond or, or a Union Omaha. I don't know if they can do it. I think that – I mean, that's why they need that first goal, to give
1: themselves that cushion, right, to where even if they can't do it, they they give themselves a the cushion. Offensively, they're talented enough to where they can most likely go and get one back. So even if they can't hold off like they did last year, if they were up a goal with 30 minutes left, it was pretty much game over, right? So now yeah. that might not be the case this year. But even if they give the – even if they hold the ball and hold possession and they're up 1-0 for 30, 40 minutes – and then they give up a goal with twenty minutes left. They're able to get the ball back offensively and be able to probably put something in at the end or make it close. Um, so,
0: so the, so the maximum points that North Texas can get this season is thirty-four. Um, okay. So, and you know, given given where all of the other teams are in the say the top four, all right. There, it looks like you know even a team like like the Kickers, if they go five hundred, they're going to have. 30-ish, 31 points. Is there any shot that North Texas has of coming in second? uh So, I mean,
1: and you talk about the defense, you've got Breck back, right? And so I I think that helps, especially from a leadership position. Um, I don't know what's going on with Batista, um, but here's what I'm looking at. Can they come back? Yes. Will they? I'm going to say no, and I don't think it's because – of their talent. I do think that they're good enough to compete, but I think it's too late. I think when you look at their remaining schedule, they have Greenville, Chattanooga, and Ford all the way. And those teams don't lose at home. Chattanooga has lost two games at home in a season and a half. So it's just one of those things to where had this move happened three weeks ago, this would be a whole different story. And they might Already be in second place because they're not that far behind. But when you look at the strength of the schedule and they're traveling, I, I think it's just we'll see. If if they do do it, it's going to have to be off a of pure talent. I don't think it's going to be a tactic thing. I think it's just going to be because Redzik. Arturo and all of them are just going to take people one on one and ball out and
0: play some street ball. I don't yeah, think I, I, I mean, cheer. I would, I would not be surprised. Like it'll be, it'll be fun to watch North Texas at this point against like a Chattanooga, right? Because yeah. it, it's going to be goals in that game, right? It's going to be three to two or something like that, right? Or, or another two to one game at that. At well, I
1: mean, don't don't sleep on a Chattanooga's defense at home because I think Chattanooga has only they've had. The three or five games at home this year have been shutout wins. So,
2: right.
1: yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. But, yeah, I think, like you said, it'll be interesting to see what Eric Quill does because it's one of those things. So it's like, well, are we still in development and trying to play beautiful soccer? Or it's, no, you three go out there, you cross people up, you get the <laughs> ball down there as fast as you can, and you cross it into to Damas because yeah. we're trying to get points now. Yeah, maybe. Anything else on on this match, Jason? uh no i thought i thought uh i thought tucson like you said it's they had the chances they yeah. just have to they have, you can't have all those chances and then only have two shots on goal and the games that they won this year that they've gotten points from i should say they've had more chances created than the other team whereas you know so that's the whole thing it's like when they're creating chances as long as they finish them they're gonna win but you can't have two shots on goal because there's some teams like greenville doesn't need that many chances right they'll have four chances compared to a team with 10 chances, but they finish them. So you have to be more efficient in those
0: opportunities. All right. Well, then moving on, on Sunday, the Greenville triumph went back to their winning ways and beat forward Madison down in uh, the upstate of South Carolina, two to nil. Um, Madison had a lot of good chances, I thought. And, (laughs) you, you know, they led in like every offensive stat Dallas J of course did what Dallas J does He came up big not not once Like like he often this, has one Like big save this but is in this game, this game he had like, more than that. I, I want to say
1: Akira as goalkeeper of the year So bad and we've obviously still got games To go but if you say Dallas J and then you point to a game like this This is the game to where I have to concede Because it's just uh, Greenville Doesn't win that game without the saves that he made He made like three huge saves
0: Yeah I mean this is this ultimately was Would probably have been a, a closer to a draw had it not been for him for sure and and on Madison's side on the other side like you know eric leonard i know in the past he's played center back for some teams that's not again another guy not his best position Uh, but he was playing center back and um just looked a little bit disjointed at times because he wanted to step right he wanted to do his center defensive midfield job and step out get the ball but of course when you do that as a center back you leave space in behind you and, and, and none, neither of the goals was really his fault, but, but you definitely saw a little bit of uh more dishevelment in the back, I think, because you didn't have a regular center. Right.
1: It's right. not a pairing that's played consecutive games with each other and, you know, have consistently played. And then also I think the tough part, and I think, you know, shout out the coach hearts for seeing it, bringing on JJ Donnelly. He had JJ, put that size on him, and there is at one point to where uh
0: yeah uh, he almost he almost scored scored yeah from it just by literally
1: boxing him out like a basketball player so (laughs) yeah shout out the harks i think he noticed that he was like all right let's go ahead and and try to wear that back line down but put put jj
0: and and not not at right back this time right Um, (laughs) (laughs) kind of play the left winger ish um i guess um is what I was thinking. So uh should we talk about the goals here? Uh yeah. since we've kind of given the tactical situation of this game
1: because that was beautiful
0: yeah so in the 25th minute uh the the right back uh mario for greenville makes a driving run into the channel uh, muhammad slips to the outside you know a lot of times you'll see you know the the um the fullback make a run down the line and then and then the uh the, the winger will go into the channel this was a kind of a swap of that and muhammad had all kinds of space out on the right and get I, I talk about that
1: why yeah. he had all Kind of space, so I think Caesar Marillo's uh favorite song or favorite rapper is Tupac. <laughs> because, uh- When he was going down the field, it was all eyes on me, baby. And as you see in this high-tech graphic i created, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six players all ball-watching Murillo with the ball. You can't even tell me where Muhammad is right now, and neither can any of the four players because none of them are looking at anything besides the ball. So, you know, (laughs) shout out to, to Caesar able to bring in all of that attention
0: because that's what Mohammed was so open for. And, and Jason will now promise to put that out on the league one fund Twitter yes. feed. Yes. Um, because yeah that uh, so if you want to see that see it because he's he's 100% right like everyone I think was surprised that Murillo cut to the cut to the inside and made it kind of an underlapping uh dribble instead of a uh instead of you know an overlapping dribble and because of that Muhammad was wide open on the on the, the right side he takes like two touches with his right foot gets it onto his favorite left foot crosses the ball in and you know, M- McLean actually. I'm not sure that it, he made he he meant to do what he did, but the ball hits off of his right foot and pops up. I'm gonna give it to him. It looked like the way I think he was
1: he was turning his body. I think he knew maybe he didn't want to place it where he placed it, but yeah. I think the idea was in his head that this so is. He- what-
0: so I think he definitely wanted to, to like in one, basically make it, take a touch, turn and shoot like right. just a snapshot. But what happens is, which is, which makes this goal all the more impressive quite frankly, is the, the ball hits off his foot and pops up into the air kind of over his shoulder. And he turns and hits the ball on the volley while he's falling in between two defenders. Like there's two defenders, not within, not within like arm's reach, but like within, you know, you're, you know, genitalia reach to them. Oh, yeah. right? they were right there.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting body part to choose, but yes, yes, Ira, they were right there. Anyway. I would look at the face maybe you know all like there's an expression for all in my face, you know. But yeah. you know,
0: it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so they were right there, and and he shoots and scores. So if you haven't seen this goal, watch the replay because all in all, it was a great attacking moment for from uh, for Greenville. I mean, from beginning to end. Um, so. Um, the rest of the game, you know, in fairness forward had their chances too. So, I mean, you had a couple of decent chances. Um, and Dallas J, like we said, made, you know, three really, really good saves that could have easily tied up the game. Um, and then Jake Keegan comes on late in the game as a uh, substitute. Um I don't remember what minute but he came on uh, in, in the game and then he gets on the score sheet in the 81st yeah, minute great shot too um, good, yeah, good to see
1: a shot like that it was right. a
0: really really good shot I mean quite frankly it was it was your typical Greenville you know, bing, bang, boom kind of play where um, the ball was cleared out. A center back got ahead on it. Um, two quick passes from midfielders uh, into space where Jake Keegan's running runs onto it. Uh, the, it settles the ball with half a touch. And then while the ball's still bouncing, he takes a, uh, a nice shot uh, from the right hand side of the penalty area to the left uh, to the left side of the goal. And, um, you know, that was that was going to be the game.
1: Whole game reminded me of 2019 Greenville, just a real organized defensive game, and then, like you said, Bing Bang! All of a sudden, they get a chance. Keegan buries it, and you're like, "Uh, now we have now we're down a goal, and we have to play against this defense." Or now that's the dagger, and this the game's over. So, so,
0: so here's something interesting, Jason. Um, okay. You don't normally see this. So more than half of both teams' passes were in the opposition half. Hmm. So I've I, that kind of makes
1: sense because Greenville had five of their interceptions in Ford's half.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting that you know you don't normally see that, especially for teams that tend to counter, right? And and I would say Greenville in particular is still kind of uh, absorb a little bit, kind of have a low block and then and then press mm-hmm. and and uh, and, and uh, uh, counter attack. Um so so the fact that both teams were willing to let the other team basically pass the ball a lot in the uh you know, in their own half seems really weird. And well, I agree with you, right, starting Leonard at center back, yeah, kinda yeah. of- you're at that point,
1: even though Ford doesn't really counter, they kind of play like an open feel, open style kind of a play. I think that game they were, and you saw a lot like Paulo Junior. I think had a really good game, and there was a lot of times where he was trying to make magic happen. And again, Dallas J. just came up big. Um, I think both two shots from Paulo Junior, uh, especially uh, and yeah, thinking from Don was, Smart, right? the, the yeah, one, from, uh, one from J.C. Banks. Oh, I think C. it C. was like, 40 minutes. Have. He okay. just gets down low on his right and gets a hand to it. And, yeah, those are, those are the saves. Like I said, if you want to call him keeper of the year, it's tough for me to argue when you can point to a game
0: like that. Greenville had 22 clearances in this game to, <laughs> to, nine, from, uh, um, to nine from Madison. All right, so uh, let's talk about the last game. Uh, this game was actually not a week nine game. This was a week 10 game, uh, but it happened yesterday, Tuesday, primetime, lunchtime. I, uh, I took a, I a lunch break. It was 11.55. Made myself a sandwich, <laughs> sat down, turned on ESPN Plus on my phone. My that's daughter's the sitting there doing a on an iPad. Man. And what am I doing? I'm watching soccer. It was the best thing. I have to say, like, we should have a game of the week that's at noon. And we should just all take a siesta and watch watch a soccer game in the middle of the day. i sure everybody's
1: boss, especially here in North America, where soccer is the most popular sport. And <laughs> yeah, on that, I'm shocked that it hasn't happened
0: already. Well, you know, we, you know, we're working from home. What does my boss know? You know, as long as my work gets done, he, you know, <laughs> he doesn't care exactly. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, so this ended up. Um, uh, this was Union Omaha's first loss of the season. They uh they finally have uh, finally uh, oh, did things pay. must come to an end. Yeah, that's true. So uh, they're now four four and one, still in, in the hunt for that second place spot. But Chattanooga showed uh, what they're what they're made of. They won this one two uh, nil. Um, I would say, you know, for 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 me in this game, just just looking at the whole game, it looked to me like Omaha was still trying to do their act their traditional press. Um, but they weren't able to, they, they, when they got narrow, when they got compact, they, um, uh, Chattanooga was really good at switching the point of attack and just getting the ball away from that pressure into open space and away and and away from it and and then Omaha just got really tired. I think just the size of the field, the fact that they were trying to press they were yeah. counter pressed very effectively by Chattanooga um and in fact the the first goal was a direct result of that counter press yeah. um, and um the uh so 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 i think I think tactically you know Chattanooga got it right and Omaha didn't take into account what Chattanooga was going to do in order to count, in order to counter that pressure that that is so used to, um, and you know Omaha is so good at that on the smaller field that they play on in uh, um, in Omaha. But I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm 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 not sure what they could have done much differently without completely switching tactics, Jason.
1: It's tough too because they that's their fifth away game this year. And they've all, they've gone to Tucson and then they've gone to, you know, South Georgia Tormenta. And, and now like, so I think it's, it's finally getting to them. Right. And like you said, they go home play on a smaller field, but then when they travel, they got to play on the, on the big field. So not only are you traveling, you're playing on a bigger field than you're used to. I think it's getting to them Um, and they've got, they've got good depth. So I'm not afraid if I'm an Omaha fan, but, I expect, like I, you can't be undefeated all season just in this league. It's just too much, right? And so, I, I think this was the game, especially with Chattanooga, to where that is a team with, like I said, arguably the strongest offensive depth right now. It, it, it's just tough to to have that willpower to, to to play with those legs, especially
0: chasing a goal in the last twenty minutes of the game. Yeah, we don't we don't have the. We, we don't have the the rosters to be able to to have the kind of depth that you need. Right. Like, right. you know, exactly. and, and that, that's true of lower league, quite frankly, that's true of lower leagues almost everywhere. Well, and,
1: and we also, they they didn't have the the practice, right? Like it, it's a lot of teams. Like I watch Marco Michelotto now, Marco played well last week. Right. And it's one of those things and Luca Meyer looks like he's playing better and better each week. And you have to wonder you know if we didn't have a pandemic and these teams got to create these rosters on time and practice would they be in a better shape and better you know chemistry um and so i think right now this league the the two ways that you know the the teams that have been dominating is familiarity when you look at you know uh greenville you look at richmond and those players they brought back and and some level
0: Chattanooga too. Chattanooga, you know, yep. they filled in a couple of pieces, but they still have like a good core six, yep. seven starters that uh, are yeah. that's, that's true.
1: So I look at familiarity and I look at depth. I don't know how Richmond's pulling it off. I, I'm like I said, I know they've got to be tired, but I think those are the two biggest things this year. And so I think Omaha for up until this game, you know, they they played well all year. And even this game, they didn't play terrible. It's just that I think now it's it's slowly one of those things to where I mean when you watched Ethan score a goal. I think it was two weeks ago, and he didn't celebrate. That's when you yeah. knew, like, okay, these guys are getting tired.
0: <laughs> well, I can I can say that uh, that they they did play terribly in the 18th minute. At least one player did, and we'll talk about that in a second. Because um, the, let's talk about the, the the first goal because it was a bit of a broken down attack by Chattanooga. Um, Omaha did a good job pressing, and then Chattanooga pressed. The ball falls out to Uwafe, who makes a great pass into the uh, into the right hand channel. Finds. Uh, Zacharias making a great run and he's definitely onside bring the uh, salsa cuz you I forgot the he got the chip yeah he, he's got you covered <laughs> that, was, that was a good one uh, probably not not unique but uh but it's first time I've heard it so I think it's it's great I appreciate it uh, yeah. um so anyway so Zacharias settles the ball on the run makes uh, makes this uh, dribbling run into the near post now what I didn't understand is so Omaha the de- defender was uh was on a and he, he had great position. He was right next to Zacharias. Why didn't he nudge Zacharias? Yeah, he was like, yeah. afraid to touch him, and he was outside the box. Zacharias
1: or- or that put or that grown man's man strength on him, and that is not a small defender. That man is about 6'4", 200
0: pounds, and Zacharias did not care. At all pushed him. At and all. He just stayed with him, stride for stride. Never stepped in front of him. Never put a shoulder on him. And you know, so so what happens? Well, Zacharias does what Zachariah did. You know, at least one time before this season, mm-hmm. and scores and and you know hits it near post. My, my son would have said it was near post op, and and it really <laughs> was a hard shot. <laughs> it's
1: it's like I said. It, it's it's funny because you, we talk about Greenville's. All of a sudden, wait! There's a goal in the back of the net. Chattanooga's
0: right there with them with that, right? And we have seen no, it. All the, day. But it's but it's a little bit different because you know most of the time for Greenville, it's absorb the pressure and then when we win the ball, we go fast. For right. Chattanooga, it's really a counter press. So so it is a slightly but different. Style.
1: Just but just the different amount of players that they can have do it, yeah. right? Like you have a Zacharias. Yeah, you have Hernandez. A front yeah. Front yeah. It's yeah a absolutely. Four, it's a front six. Yeah and then you've got your center defensive midfielder chipping the ball perfectly to, yeah. to the winger so it's just it, yeah it's it's tough man they they looking good yeah they are. Know, it's 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 halfway through the season and so I don't not going to try to jinx myself but I I did have a a a specific uh prediction about who is going to score the most goals this year so it, it's looking uh, looking pretty I'll good remember, right in terms
0: of uh in terms of the team mm mm-hmm. mhm Okay. Yeah. Um, well, who, who is not going to win the golden boot, but has, you know, definitely seen a decent amount of, uh, of offensive threat for his team. Elma N4 gets another header in this game. Just a few days before he scored a goal with his head and this school game, he gets another header and this time hits it off the crossbar. Kids,
1: um, don't ever let anyone tell you you're too small to do yeah,
0: anything. for sure. I mean, Elma is, again, he gets into a, a crazy position, was, uh, you know, again, did the work, made this like great sweeping kind of run um, from the top of the D to the left. Uh, ball comes in from the right and he gets ahead on it and he, uh, you know, hits the post. And, you know, that would have been would have been the tying goal. And, again, this game has changed, you know, except for an inch maybe or two. Yep. Um, so, you know, good on, good on Elma. Um, and you know, a, a kind of a, uh, an insurance goal in the 62nd minute. Again, who comes on Jason in the 53rd minute and nine minutes later gets an assist. Oh, well, yeah. The assist is,
1: and listen, 37 minutes. That is the magic number. I, if I'm coach of I'm, I'm putting him in for 37 minutes to go every single game for the rest of the year.
0: Cause yep. he cannot fail. Mark Mark Hernandez once again gets uh, a uh, gets an assist and of course who does he assist the same guy who assisted last game Tanner Dietrich. Yeah. I, just so random. Um anyway Hernandez this whole the, the whole time he was in the game he only had seven passes. But in that seven passes he created three chances. Yeah. I
1: mean it was like the last game it was like he had like 12 passes and two of them were assists. So right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really it's cool. wild. It's yeah. like like you said, he he might be the super sub of, of the league, uh, and it'd be funny because his competition. When Greg Hertz comes back, might be Steven Beattie, depending on how fit he is. So, because as you see, we've had Beatty come on and automatically make an impact already as a super sub.
0: So, and he did come on at the very end of this game, too, if memory serves. He came in like, I don't know, the 88th minute or something. It was very, very late. Just got a well, little.
1: So, and so I
0: might be wrong. I thought Beattie was the one that scored. Uh, did I get this wrong? Was it not Tanner Dietrich? No, I I he didn't did. come on until very late.
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought Dietrich was the one that scored. I might be mixing the games up. I thought
0: the last game Stephen Beattie scored. Okay, all right. Gotcha. Uh, yes, uh,
1: I just put it up. You're right. Dietrich uh, scored this uh, one. Uh, Beattie was the last one. Gotcha.
0: Oh, oh, good, I didn't get my show notes wrong. No, no, yeah, you're good. All right. Um, okay, so anything else to say about this game? I mean, it was entertaining. I liked watching it at lunchtime. I mean, I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, oh. no, uh,
1: chat. Chat had, I think they had a three-game week. Yeah, um, they
0: did. They had, they had three games in eight days, yeah.
1: And look at the points they pulled out of it. So, you know, this is this is the team I think right now that I would say is the front runner for second. I think it's, it's theirs to lose, and it's going to be a fun battle. But I think right now, just in their form, just the way that they're playing, the amount of depth they have, if I had to put my money on someone for second, I'd probably be putting it on Chat.
0: Yeah. yeah, I would say it's them or, or Omaha which, you know, is not saying much because they're they're, you know, two and three right now both in the outright table as well as in in terms of points per game. Um you know, if, if Union Omaha does have a game in hand, so they would be a point ahead if if they were to win that game in hand. Um but I do think the the you know, Chattanooga it's going to be this season I think more than even last season is going to be really interesting to see who makes those um, who makes the top two. I really wish this season there was a four team playoff.
1: Yeah, I do too.
0: Yeah, because the fact is is that you know in a in a one game playoff in, with against the four teams that are currently one through four would be super exciting. I mean I would love like if if the season were to end today and there was a four game four team playoff and it was Greenville, Richmond and Chattanooga, Omaha, oh my yeah, that was perfect. Fantastic games. Yeah. But, but we, now, gotta, we
1: gotta we gotta have a have it set up for North Texas to come through and ruin everything and have a 2019 (laughs) rematch
0: championship. So, well, but first we have to get through week 10. Uh, So let's quickly preview week 10 because I'm getting a little punchy and tired here. Uh, Let's see. Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, at uh, which is tonight. Oh, yeah, 15 minutes when we're recording. <laughs> is uh, is FC Tucson is hosting New England Revolution 2 in a game that I'm unlikely to watch? Sorry, everyone. Um, it's oh.
1: only, what time is it? It's like four o'clock here, baby. Oh. We uh, we're live.
0: <laughs> How many stars are on your jersey? Whose jersey is that that you're wearing tonight, by the way, Jason? My hometown team, Gambo Soccer, baby. Oh, wow, and there's what nine stars on there.
1: We just we win so many championships we don't we can't even remember we just be throwing stars on there every other year.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Saturday, you know, uh, again prime time, one p.m. Uh, we got Chattanooga Red Wolves versus Greenville Triumph. That will be game the, the game of the week for sure. So yep. I will be watching that one. Um,
1: every other team in the league is praying for Greenville to get three points for this one.
0: Yep, that's yeah. Well, especially the the three, four teams below uh, Chattanooga
1: for sure. Greenville's uh, got Orlando twice in their remaining schedule and they played more games than anybody else. So it was actually our, our good friend. Well, I'll call him a friend because he'd be trying to play me, but our friend of the show, uh Chris Ashley from Yeah, that soccer show had a tweet. The magic number right now for Greenville for first place is fifteen. 15 points. So I'm sorry, the guarantee a spot in the final. So not necessarily first, but 15. And so when you've got Orlando twice, and then I think they've got Tucson, you know, that that's potentially, these are the games to where, yeah, it's, it's points are points are on the
0: table. Greenville, Greenville only has eight matches left. Whereas, you know, Richmond has 10. Right. So um, just as an example, uh, because Richmond plays in the next game and they have Orlando at home at 6 30 PM on Eastern time on Saturday. So um, Rotation. I get it. Rotation. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And, and you have five subs, right? So you keep, keep some of your starters on the bench and bring them in in the 60th minute or something if you really need a goal. Right. So, yep. um, uh, 8 PM is, uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Fort Lauderdale against South Georgia Tormenta, South Georgia going down to Florida for that one. Um, You know, could could be an interesting game. I mean, both you know, South Georgia is not likely to make the finals. Fort Lauderdale keeps slipping away too. But goals, I expect goals. Yeah, this might be the high scoring game of the week. Yeah, this could be one of those like three-two or three-three kind of games. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, at eight o'clock uh, is Union Omaha against New England Revs. Two Omaha kind of really needs to win this one. Like this is one of those ones that they they have to win, uh, especially if if they're going to overtake Chattanooga. And so so even a draw in that Chattanooga Greenville game and an Omaha win is is good for Omaha, right? Because then they're on. Um, Omaha still will have a game in hand, and uh, and they'll be ahead in points. So
1: and North Texas, I mean, um, New England. I'm sorry, is um, I mean, it's one of those things to where you you like we were talking about with the home games and the away games. You have to win these away games if you're going to, to get in second, because the home teams that are left at the top. Like when you look at Greenville, you look at Ford, you look at Richmond, they have all. They're probably not going to drop points, so this is where you have to pick up points.
0: Yeah. So yeah, you have to win at home. Uh, nine o'clock on Saturday is uh, North Texas is hosting FC Tucson. So you know if North Texas is going to go on a run and, and be your your dark horse candidate here, to you know, I wonder what the line on that is, Jason. You know, like yeah. like, but what, what what is it? So so I'm I'm not a better betting man at all. So is it like? you know plus 100 or something like that so, for Texas. yeah so I, I, the
1: lines the lines don't come out until usually like the day before or two days before for this league but I think it'll be interesting because I think the last North Texas game when they played Tucson Tucson was actually a favorite really yeah
0: so yeah, I had North Texas looked at the desert
1: <laughs> right exactly so now that uh now that North Texas has Arturo back and they're kind of looking good it'd be interesting to see the same game. Um, and then again, you know, Tucson plays the night. So just like Omaha, right. They're playing revs too, who have to go to Tucson tonight and then go to Omaha Saturday. So you got to take advantage of these teams that are playing
0: these double game weeks when you've had a whole best. I, ma- I would imagine the revs won't go home that the revs will, you know, tomorrow, you know, sleep in Tucson tonight. And then tomorrow head out to uh, head out to Omaha, spend, you know, train for a day in Omaha on Friday. And then, um, uh, yeah play their match. Yeah. And then also, I mean, I have to say, because, you know, I have to represent and, and, you know, be a nerd. uh, The very first competitive match for uh, real central New Jersey soccer will also take place uh, tomorrow night. Uh, We'll, we'll, stream it it'll be a terrible stream but if you want to see some uh some you know medium level soccer i would say uh you can look on my kuju so at the real central new jersey i'll
1: personally set the lines on that so yeah. if anybody wants to make
0: bets i will personally <laughs> be the bookie for this So if you're we're, we're playing i think uh tom's river blue or something like that so okay research tom's river put up uh put, put up an a and a b team or something and we play both of them jason Where can people connect with you? At Home Sweet Soccer. And I can be found at Ira Jersey. And you can connect with the show on Twitter at League One Fun. That's League the Number One Fun. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And thanks to Icarus FC for sponsoring us. Get all of your custom kit needs for your youth, adult, or club teams at icarusfc.com jason until next week support local soccer and then what we'll do is
1: you guys will be the heavy favorite and it's the first game so if you throw it that's fine The, the house wins ira this is this is how we win okay this is this is what we do